Hey guys, welcome to the Tech Point Africa podcast. My name is Muiwa. My name is Aganya Romo. My name is Emmanuel. And I am Bolu Abiodo. It's been a crazy week in tech in Africa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really crazy. Yeah, unless you are living under a rock, <laughs> you've heard about the allegations against Flutterwave CEO, GB. You, you know, I, I, I know him as GB to the extent that sometimes I struggle to remember his actual name. Yeah, Olubenga Agbola. Olubenga Agbola, yes, GB. CEO of Flutterwave. Uh, you must have seen the story by investigative reporter, journalist, or whatever you want to call him, David uh, Hunday. So we're going to address that, definitely. But it's so juicy that, uh, yeah, we're going to be doing some fact checks. So just stay to the end, but let's talk about other stories that are going on this week. Let's just jump straight into them. Because it's been a very, yeah, crazy week. Okay, so first of all, um, we're seeing a report that says Bitcoin fans are more <laughs> likely to be psychopaths. Yeah, so, yeah. so I'm now sad, I'm sad. I'm looking at Bulu with a side <laughs> eye because he's a resident Bitcoin fan. Don't worry. Don't worry. You, you are safe with me. Oh, are you sure? That's what you would say, of course. <laughs> so, right. yeah, what's the story? Yeah, it's a very interesting one. So, um, a group of experts actually conducted a survey on 566 people Uh, that were fans of Bitcoin and they found out that uh, most of them exhibited uh, traits of uh, psychopaths, Machiavellianism, uh, narcissism. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How did they do this study? Like, I want to understand the methodology. So It seems very biased and... uh, And one-sided. Yeah. Yeah, but I think uh, going through the article to the end, they did mention that It w- they only did the survey on 566 people so it doesn't mean that everyone know that uh there is a crypto trader or a crypto investor is automatically you know a <laughs> on a mess already looking at me for me <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't mean that everyone you know who is a crypto dr- trader is you know has those tendencies but then when you when when you really think about it you know something that can make you lose a huge amount of money within uh a twinkle of an eye you know you need some kind of mind <laughs> yeah but, but isn't that situational like when they are maybe they're trying to invest in something or they lose money not that that does their treats like permanent treats or all the time like i don't know it just seems like to me it just seems obvious mm-hmm. the statement like even the opening statement of the article says the average bitcoin investor is a calculating psychopath with an inflated ego yeah it's it's really it's actually you know true that you know like i said it can't really be everyone who invests in bitcoin you know that will have that will have these treats but I've 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 seen people you know lose about like there's a particular person I know that lost about fifty six thousand dollars I think uh, in a few weeks and you know by the next week he was himself again he was now <laughs> exactly <laughs> so situational yeah yeah <laughs> like I was saying so but for that kind of sample size right are you not going to find people like that in almost every industry exactly you can find psychopaths in finance the, actually they even said one in four yes right? yeah one, one in four, four actually. One. Actually, own Bitcoin. Yeah. Okay. Only for own Bitcoin. Yes. One in four. Own and those Bitcoin. are the ones that were likely to show those uh, traits. Yes. But yeah. everyone actually had affinity for. Everyone they surveyed actually have affinity for investing. You know, taking risks and things so like that. So they cherry picked the 
Are you saying they cherry pick the yes. respondents? Yes, yes, yes. I, I don't know why this is. <laughs> <laughs> But I just guess it's just an interesting one, something, uh, just something, something sensational to take the edge of. It has been a crazy yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could be a nice icebreaker too. If you know a family member or a friend or significant other who is so um, big on Bitcoin and all of that. You just share oh, them yeah. this link. We'll put the link in the description. Don't worry. <laughs> share the link to them. I'm still the same person you know, eh? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, all right, okay. Let's move away from down to something more, uh, a bit serious. Okay, so, Ethel Nigeria mm. um, launched this week, earlier this week, and unveiled their first commercial data, data center. center. Yeah, the Atari data center. Yeah, so it's mm. like it's really data centers. I think yeah. last week or this week too, main well, one. It was last week. It was yeah, last main week. one also. Launched, yes. And uh, it's also quite interesting because um, we are living in an age where I was talking about uh, the digital economy, how startups are popping up right, left, center, and everywhere. So, um, data centers for anyone who is listening and hearing about it for the first time is just like a facility that has that houses huge amounts of data and uh, people startups or companies can store information in the cloud but mm. beyond that it also serves to improve connectivity so with data centers in the country um when you're trying to browse your website let's say you're trying to navigate netflix uh, with data centers present in the country all those big companies in the us and uk can come and establish a local uh exchange point here in the data center so that really helps to speed up connectivity mm. and you can access things like netflix youtube google mm. faster so even if those guys don't have their own data centers here mm-hmm. they can tap into the existing infrastructure yeah. so a commercial data center like this uh, i think they're actually uh envisaging the explosion of cloud driven companies companies building stuff having huge amounts of data mm-hmm. and why go and build a data center yourself when you can yeah. uh just tap into the existing infrastructure so may one had one already in lecky they expanded to a second one in lecky too and Ether is also launching theirs in lecky mm-hmm. mm. why lecky this is interesting <laughs> everybody's in lecky yeah yeah so <laughs> Oh, Although yeah. I know one is trying to launch, supposed to launch one in Shagamu. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, uh, so I asked, I jumped on a call with Funke and she actually explained the... That's Mewon CEO. Mewon CEO, yes, sorry. Your first name tells with now. You assume everybody knows who you're talking about. Okay, sorry about Funke Opeke. Yeah, Funke Opeke, the CEO of Mewon. And mind you, they just got acquired by Equinix last year. Yeah, that was a big story. Yeah, big story. Turned around $20 million. So, to explain some of the nuances behind choosing Lekki. Lekki is just close to the shore. Lekki is where the submarine cable landed. Oh. So building data sense. center then Lekki makes it brings makes it closer to that infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Then in Lekki they are directly connected to the grid, the mm-hmm. national grid. So they have 94% power supply yeah. rate better than uh, the 330 grid. Yes, I, yeah. I remember when I told the data center in 2015. Mm. They talked about how that that particular grid they are connected to re- really goes down. Mm. There's always power. Although they also have backup, backup yes, like three backup gens <laughs> and all of and all of that. Mm. Yeah, interesting stuff. Okay, that makes sense. Why is all Lekki Lekki? Yes. So the so one is Rack sh- Center is in Lekki too. Yes. I thought Rack Center was in Oregon. Why did I think it was in Oregon? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but for the Shagamu bit, uh, it's going to be a strategic uh, position in Shagamu. It's still on the works, but. 
they have to consider a lot of other things, right? Uh, access to the place, the Lagos Ibadan Expressway, which miraculously is always seeming to be under construction. Mm. And in time mm. I passed there. <laughs> <laughs> so accessing the place easily, not just them, other people who want to access the facility. Mm. So they said it's going to be a strategic location, maybe to store fac- uh, data facilities that does not need uh, regular uh, you don't have to be going there often, often. Mm-hmm. and uh, there's no much need for it to be directly connected to the submarine cable mm. so every m- most of those kind of data centers in the hinterland will just probably be uh strategic not just yeah. any kind yeah. of data center well, but we can expect to see many more of these yeah. data centers yeah obviously we can expect to see it and uh yeah there was a clip we have a clip from uh, funka peka we can yeah from your that. interview a tidbits so let's yeah, west africa is increasingly important uh, with uh, a population across the region of greater than 200 million um, people um, having access to the internet uh, about 150 million of those um, in nigeria um, then you know we can recognize where why global um, companies are interested in Nigeria and particularly Lagos. So deploying, um, I think we're going to see deployment of more and more infrastructure um, to service the region where Lagos is serving as a digital hub. Yeah, so when we look at data consumption um, per capita in our region and when we look at infrastructure density, um, number of data centers or you could measure it in terms of how many uh, megawatts of data center capacity we have, um, it pales in comparison um, to most advanced markets. So we expect um, in terms of data consumption, in terms of localization of data, in terms of the infrastructure to support that, there's a lot of room for growth and um, we expect that we are um, entering a period of um, rapid growth of data resources in the region. Yeah, mm. a period of rapid growth. And uh, Google, I'm expecting them to announce anytime soon. Oh, yeah. the data center? No, not data center. The submarine cable is oh, launching yeah. also in the coast of <laughs> close to Lekki too. So yeah. everything actually makes sense when you think about it. Mm. But you know, I, I feel the need to break down what this means for the regular person. Because you, you, you know, you mentioned something about... Um, um, Netflix and yeah, if yeah. so many people. I mean, if you people that have, if you might remember a few years back, mm. using YouTube or Netflix in Nigeria was or anywhere in Africa was kind of stressful, always buffering. But most people don't notice that these days it's hardly buffers. Unless your network is really terrible, like it hardly buffers. buffers. Yeah, and it's that's, it's that's because of these data centers. The fact yes. that these companies are actually storing their well, most of them cannot say which companies are using them for mm-hmm. privacy reasons, but. All these main ones, uh, Rack Center and Airtel Zone now and all of that. I think MTN has a few also, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, I'm not sure about that, but okay. I'll confirm. Yeah, yeah, but this this is where all these companies store the data. So it's faster. Just rather than going all the way to the UK or the US to get your Info. YouTube video. And coming back. And coming back, the time it takes and all of that. So anyway, your article will explore that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, you're working on that in the course of the week. Yes, the course of the week. And of course, big picture, what it means for the entire ecosystem. All right, cool. All right, so you've stayed this long with us because <laughs> because we promised you something in the beginning. So yeah. now we are going to talk about it. 
you probably skipped to this point anyway. <laughs> but if you, if you did, try and listen to the rest after. But anyway, so yeah, the story of the week. Um, Flutterwave CEO, GB. Again, I forgot his name. That's why I just said GB. Yeah, yes, transcended. Um, yeah, yeah, was <laughs> accused or allegedly... Yeah, he was accused of so many things. Bullying, uh, fraud... Sexual harassment. Sexual harassment. Uh, uh, what else? Um, insider trading. Insider trading, yeah. yeah. That's a very big one that was very um, debated all over Twitter. So everybody's asking different questions. I'm sure if people have seen different tweets, different spaces, mm-hmm. but they're wondering what's going on exactly. Mm. How can you have... How are you sure people who are dropping opinions and not um, one-sided or uh, not being... They're being subjective. So you're looking to an objective source and maybe you've come to the right place. Uh, fact checks. Onome has been working on that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, several things, several questions to answer already. So one of the first is the question about insider trading and um, how, if there's anything at all, if a private company like Photowave can even be um, investigated by SEC, that is the US SEC, because Photowave is registered in the US, if there's anything that you could say, okay, you can hinge this on Flutterwave. So first of all, private companies inside that trading. Actually, private private companies can be um, investigated for insider trading. Mm-hmm. There's a case about that. It happened in 2011, and basically the case says that private companies can um, private companies can be investigated for insider trading and. I guess you are wondering what insider trading is. Mm-hmm. Insider trading yes, is basically <laughs> insider trading is basically you, um, a company or any of its officer um, officers or employees, giving um, hiding material information that could maybe sway you into buying or selling your shares. So, for example, um, company A wants to sell its so company A wants to do an IPO, and to protect itself. It says that it's going to. It says that it's going to buy back its shares. Say it's a private company. Say it's going to buy back its shares, and um, when it buy, buys back its shares, it doesn't tell you that it's selling its share, selling your shares back to them. That okay, we are going to um, do an IPO, and when we IPO, probably their share price will increase or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you don't know any of this. They are basically lying to you or misrepresenting to you the facts of everything. Mm. And you sell. You sell at a very cheap price. Very, very cheap price. And IPO happens and price skyrockets and you're like, "Uh uh-uh. I didn't know there was an IPO. I didn't know there was an IPO. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah, basically. So, let me me try and get this straight, right? Mm -hmm. You are the CEO. I'm the employee. And uh, I have stock options in the company, right? I have a stake in the company. So you are planning an IPO, you are planning an exit, but I don't know about it. Then you decided to make me sell below the value you feel, or at a lower value, so that when you now IPO exit, the price is skyrocketed and all the gains come to you. Yep, basically. Okay. Mm. So the question wow. now is: Is was there insider trading in the case of Flutterwave because they're a private company? So, mm-hmm. first fact is Flutterwave raised money in 2021. They announced in March. Yeah. And after announcing, before announcing, one of the screenshots that Hyundai shared in his article said that one of the employees actually sold his stock options 
in February 2021. Yep. So, it sells at $3.5. That's really low. Mm-hmm. And going back again, back to Duet Hunding's article, he shares a video of an investor that is trying to determine Flutterwave's share price. So, at the time the raise was announced, Flutterwave's share price increased from about $3 to $20. So, here is an employee. He's about to, let's say he wants to leave or whatever. And he doesn't know that Flutterwave is about to raise money. Okay. Flutterwave raises money. And before Flutterwave, Flutterwave raises money, he, um, Flutterwave's share price is supposedly $3. Flutterwave raises money the month after he sells his uh, he months after he sells his stock options and boom Flutterwave's share prices increases wow so they raise money the month okay so they announced wait, announcing is different from raising right they announced in March yes yeah. that they had raised 170 million dollars yeah yep. right? seriously this employee sold his stock options in February a month before Yep. So the question is, when did they f- when did they know they were about to raise? When did they start raising? So there's Edgar. It's a SEC-owned website. And basically tells you when a company has filed that it has raised money. So according to this site, notice of first filing happened on February 26, 2021. Mm. And this person, according to Hyundai's article, the whole um, sale crystallizer on February 28, 2021. So basically two days after. So two days after they made their first sale. First sale. Like of um, the first sale of that 170 million they were raising. Yeah. Mm. These employees sold. So the question is, did the employee know or was the employee in the dark? Mm. And then who was know. buying the shares? Because the allegation is that GB makes them sell the shares to entities that he controls. He controls. Yes. We don't know about that because obviously Hoden's article didn't show any specific evidence to say, okay, this is a company owned by GB and this is the company they are selling their stocks to. So, but what we do know or what we can't say we know is that sources closely to the entire scenario said that it's possible that it isn't GB. It's possible mm. it is a um, it is the shareholders that are the investment vehicle that the shares are being sold back to. Yes. So, so it's still, it's it's still st- inside our trading. If, yeah, if, if. It's still, yeah, if that's the case, it's still very, very shady because they knew they were raising. Yep. They made an, maybe not made, maybe re- encouraged an employee that had mm. stock options to sell his stock a month, like two days, two days before, no, two days two after, days. after, two after days the first after. sale. After the first sale of, you know, the round they were, they were trying to raise. There are many questions. Did this person know? Did this? Did they, like, also, the, of course, the investors knew they were raising, so I, I don't think that's a valid question to ask. Mm. So, <laughs> was there an agreement yeah. before uh, everything was yeah, signed? Yeah, we don't even know about the options, share options agreement that they have. Yeah. Um, can we say for a fact that this employee was forced? Maybe the employee thought they got a good deal, but mm. then the question is: Is it insider trading? Mm. Uh, it's still it's, it's shaky. <laughs> it's, it's really shaky. shaky. It's really shaky. Well, well. Those okay. are the facts that we have for there now, so we can't say more than that. Okay. There are other questions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the other questions and the questions about Assets Bank and GB. So oh boy, that's that's another rabbit that's, hole. That's 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 a big rabbit hole. So Hundain says that GB didn't GB was basically using Assets Bank 
resources to work at Flutterwave. Mm. Yeah, that's the allegation. That's the allegation. So yeah. the question now is, did Access Bank know? Access Bank know. Mm. And then it says there was a time in 2018 that the US Sec called, summoned them, and EGB and apparently Herbert Wigwe. Bank. Of uh, Access Bank. Access Bank, yeah. yeah. Went. And the question is, why will Herbati go there? Mm. So, in another interview GB did last week with mm. um, a, a newsletter, a big trend, I think. That was big the name tech. Of, big tech. Okay. So, he was saying they went to San Francisco when they were just starting and he, he and Herbert went to San Francisco to sign up a customer. Mm. Uba. Uba. So yeah. it still doesn't make sense. Why will about we follow you? Follow you to go and sign up. So that's even if okay, that's assuming that Access Bank was like just a partner bank. Yeah, just like, a partner like bank. Like acquisition bank. Okay. Yeah, so why do you need the CEO of your acquisition bank to go with you to, to go and pitch to Uber? So GB says because he did in a in a blog article on Flutterwave's um, website in 2020, he says that it was because of the way he had worked with the company and the company loved him and all of that that decided to that Herbert Wigge decided to follow him to San Francisco. So what is what 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 that says is that Access Bank was supposedly aware and maybe even Access Bank had some sort of stick. In Flutterwave, is that what that according to GB in that article? They they are not a shareholder, they're not an investor. But (laughs) then that doesn't answer the question of the allegation that in 2018, Access Bank, there's a letter in Hoden's article that Access Bank wrote to Flutterwave saying they're owing them 212 million naira as accrued fees for switching and uh, web payments and all of that. So I'm now wondering, what, what was the origin of that letter? How did they amass that much, uh, uh, that, that, that huge chunk of fees? Was it because there was no knowledge of that? Or what else is it? Is the letter fake? Is it real? <laughs> well, going if we say that the letter is real, and um, going by what Hundain said, Hundain says that when the letter was sent, there was supposedly an audit going on at Access Bank. Mm-hmm. Because Access Bank was about to acquire Diamond Bank, or as sources close to the matter say, Access Bank I had already acquired Diamond Bank. Yeah, the articles of of uh, no, Access Bank, Bank denying November. Yeah. yeah. Then 2019, they announced that they've. Mm. They announced in 2019 that they raised, right? They now they announced in 2019 that they raised, but there were already rumors that they raised in. Uh, what am they I announced saying? in 2019 they announced in 2019 that they merged with Access Bank, Bank or they acquired Bank. them yeah but, but in 2018 they were already rumors yes yep. which they vehemently denied, denied. Yep. so but Hyundai's claim is that which ties to those rumors is that when they were trying to do the mega major and acquisition mm. and they were doing due diligence due diligence yeah. it was now revealed that the flutter wave flutter relationship wave was owing about 221 million mm. yes. more. 221 million naira. Oh boy. Uh, like, <laughs> there's also something interesting that I found in one of the screenshots that um, Hundein shared. So, in one of the screenshots that Hundein shared, the person that is supposedly um, GB says that he owes Access Bank money. Hmm. 
So mm. was he referring to this was in 2018 if the screenshot is to be believed this was when he was leaving Access Bank fully and he was transitioning into his role as CEO at Flutterwave. So mm. he says I even owe I even owe them some money. Mm. So Interesting. What I was even he? owe them some money, some money. 221 million. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This this is quite confusing because it is that same year that he left his post as CEO of Flutterwave in October. So yeah. the audit was done around August. August. Two months later, and he left. He left. Then in November, the news came up around in premium times, I guess. That is a rumor and and they denied it vehemently. Diamond Bank denied, Access Bank denied. Then it was not until the next year they announced that they've acquired Diamond Bank. So meaning we were spot on, right? Yeah. And source close to the matter is saying as at that time they were denying it was a done deal already. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so what what the hell we is have going on? <laughs> <laughs> we have sources. Yeah. So uh, these are a lot of questions. I, I mean, uh, yeah. Did Access Bank know? That's the question. It's not an easy question. We're, we're trying to be very, very objective here. Yeah. Right. But a lot of what, a lot of this pointing to the fact that probably Access Bank didn't know or somebody in Access Bank knew but kept it under wraps. But it was not a an information that was it was not information that was like um shared with management the entire management mm. so, which is why it now came up doing due diligence mm. okay so wild theories yeah and then that's what i ask okay one day he says hey but we went with gb and e to san francisco yep to answer to sec mm-hmm. on the other hand gb says GB quoted, yeah. he and Ebetigwe went to San Francisco to pitch to Uber. Mm-hmm. They both went, in both stories, they went to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. The purposes of this, the purposes of going is uh, different. But different. one thing is clear, Ebetigwe, in both stories, went to San Francisco. Went with them. Yep. So is. I think we're also is, forgetting his side of the story. Because okay. he has made several tweets and he has said, first he has said that Access Bank knew. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. He said Access Bank knew. Then he also said that he was the only one that went to San Francisco. Oh, okay. So there are three stories. Three stories. Okay. One day stories. Habatigwe, GB, and he went to San Francisco to answer to SEC. GB mm-hmm. stories. GB and Habatigwe went to San Francisco to pitch to Uber. In stories, Access Bank knew, and only he went to SEC. Okay. He so doesn't say why he went to SEC. He doesn't. So, but. Okay, let's let's paint the three of them went on the plane, got to San Francisco, <laughs> then Herbert and GB went to meet Uba. Oh, then mm. he went, he to, went meet to meet <laughs> oh, <So>. Interesting. <laughs> but in all of this, two out of three times, Abatigwe is a cooperating party. Mm-hmm. Yes, and why? why? Why did he know? Maybe Access Bank did not officially know. Yeah, but, but the boss knew. He knew like. again we're asking questions here we're not saying this is what happened yeah mm-hmm. yeah because then the letter now comes up during due diligence which is out of the control of i mean due diligence is of audit is audit, usually yeah. done by third parties right yeah. so then the letter comes and says flutter wave is only 212 million like there's so many questions there's so, so many, many questions so there's, many. Th- there's also the question of sexual harassment yeah. which is very difficult to prove mm-hmm. uh which other question is uh, there was something about the investors knowing I think they mentioned. I think yes. there's a 
there's a quote from one of the supposed sources that says Greycroft knows that is Greycroft is one of the investors in Flutterwave, mm. and he says Greycroft knows and is covering it up and so about the fraud, about the fraud, about, about the sexual harassment. Sex I think GB even mentioned in that in that interview he gave to the big tech newsletter that um, they lost some investors due to rumors from sexual harassment and all of that. Mm-hmm. So yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions around that are we sure that Greycroft knows mm. is the source line mm-hmm. um, if Greycroft knows and they are covering it up why are they covering it up exactly and then what are these said shareholders that um, a source reveals to us like when, when you say the, the shares were being um, stock options being bought back from employees at yeah. cutthroat prices and the allegation by one day is that GB was the one that buying them back yep but then sources are saying it was the shareholders that bought them back. Which shareholders? Who are the early investors? And if that is true, what were they trying to do? Was it something innocent? Or were they buying back shares at cutthroat prices because they were anticipating IPOs? Anticipating oh. raises. Anticipating big raises. Uh, one month apart from... Uh, so many questions. So many. Oh. Anyway, we, we, we can't really address all of them. We're even running out of time. But there's a detailed article that we will link to in the description written by um, Onome that has all of these details, fact checks. So we're, we're trying to be as objective as possible. And uh, we hope that when you read them, you you know, you know get... I mean, it's a conversation starters anyway. So yeah. what do you think about everything we share today? Um, some people may have forgotten we talked about other things already. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Data centers more and more coming to Lagos. You, you heard me one CEO from Kyoto saying uh, there's there's not there are, like there's enough room for, for more data centers because there's so much room for growth. Yep. Right. And um, Etel Nigeria has also launched commercial data centers. Uh, we talked about Bitcoin <laughs> traders like Bolu, whether they're psychopaths. <laughs> Bolu's looking at you. And sadists. We'd like to hear what you think. You can email us at podcast at techpoint.africa. You can tweet your thoughts. Use the hashtag on Twitter, techpointafrica podcast. And if you are listening for the first time, you can get this podcast. Um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict. Yes, let me add more you as. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Podcast Addict. Yeah, uh, anywhere else you get your podcast. Anywhere you get podcast. Yeah. Yep. And we we release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday morning. Once you just wake up, you will see the episode waiting for you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we'll catch you guys next Tuesday. Hopefully by that time, a lot more would have unfolded. Maybe there will be questions and answers to these questions. Yep. Hopefully. Uh, thanks for staying with us and goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.